0: The 365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Weirdon. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store. Hello and you're very welcome to episode 40 of Purple Psychology. Thank you for tuning in in 62 countries around the world. This podcast is brought to you by 365 Success app. 365 Success is what you can search all one word in the app store. Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, you're very welcome. Thank you. We're going to start off with something a little novel and festive for the month that's in it. So what personality types buy people the best presents? We're not really that shallow, are we?
1: No, but I was thinking about this, right? I was wondering why other people find it so stressful to go Christmas shopping, and I never do, okay? So the first thing is, is that I've already planned out what I'm getting. I probably have looked at where the cheapest place to get it is. I possibly started looking six weeks ago and saw things and picked them out, right? And I've remembered them. The other bit that really kind of fascinates me is that I'm always fascinated by the people who buy you something, and it's so totally not your style. Like, how do you do that? But then I realized that you've got to have very high visual skills and, and absor- observation skills to actually notice what style somebody is. Like, I make the assumption that everybody <laughs> walks into someone's house and looks at the style and looks at their clothes and looks at the colors they normally wear. Like. I was at a craft fair and I was buying someone a present and I was thinking, right, what color, what's her favourite colour? Oh yeah, she wears green a lot. Or no, actually, I think orange would look better in that room because um, she like that would go well with the decor. you know. But these are the things that are running through my head and I realise that not everybody does this. Are you just a weirdo? No, I, I think that if you have very good observational skills and very good visual skills, I think that... And you're a planner. That puts you ahead. Then I think that sometimes people haven't understood presents that I've given them because I think there's been too much depth to them. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah, well, uh, and and I've had to actually learn to tone this back over the years. Really? Really? Yeah, because, <laughs> um, like, I, I naturally would go into a lot of depth and so intuitive feeling people would naturally... Think a great deal, about what they send you. So, like you know, like I got a Christmas card last year, and it had a little, um, a little disc on it to be engraved for our dog. And I was thinking, right, you know, like they really, they went in and they picked out the Christmas card. Oh, that's so cute! And they thought about the fact that I had a dog. You know, so like that's that's what I mean. Like that that's nice depth. But, you know, there's bad death. There's, oh. Okay, Okay. Um, and then I realised, and this is one that I find really hard to put up with, okay? And this is just me. I hate people who buy you gifts that it's more about them. Right? <laughs> they buy what they like. Or... What really bugs me, what they think they should be seen to give you or the amount of money that they think they should be seen to spend on you, which I've never... You've just
0: touched on major nerves here for our listeners. You know
1: that, don't you? I know, but I'd like people to think about this. When, when you buy someone a gift, you don't buy it for everybody else. You buy it for the person you buy for. And I do think that there's too much pressure in society about how much we spend on a gift. I think it's irrelevant what you spend on a gift if you, have, if you have thought about it. And I think that that is the most important element. So, you know, and maybe if you can't don't have the most brilliant observation skills, well, ring up someone who you think does and go, oh, actually, do you think this would be the right colour? Or do you think they'd like that? Or, you know, phone a friend. (laughs) Brilliant. So that's, I'm going to finish up on that. Is that it? Oh, no, I'm, I'm willing. That's that topic of, of, and, and... Plan, like write yourself a list so you don't, so you actually go in and enjoy, <laughs> enjoy Christmas shopping. Because it doesn't have to be a torture. Let's swiftly move along before we're lynched. Okay. Um, I, I think that I was trying to be positive, okay. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, okay. Um, I was just but we're to, 1% of the population. That just sounds like being a prat. Yeah, well, it just <laughs> sounds pedantic, but it's the truth. Um, but there's lot there's lots of other personalities out there with elements yes, of our yes, personality. Yes, True, 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 true. So yeah, you know. agreed, agreed, agreed. agreed. Okay. Right, like fo- I said, Lynch, to move on. Yeah. Okay. Phone anxiety. Phone anxiety.
0: Do you yeah. get phone anxiety? You get phone. Fo- you do, don't you? That's why you make all the phone calls.
1: Yeah, I I get huge phone anxiety. Um. So, for some people, um. Talking on the phone can be quite difficult because they don't have the time to process what they want to say on the phone. People can be quite demanding. And the other element of me is that this goes back to years and years with my dyslexia. I find it really difficult to take notes and I find it very difficult to take notes for other people. So I always associated phone calls with not being able to take down the message.
0: Oh, and I'm completely the opposite because I would have been like the baby receptionist from the moment
1: we got a telephone into the house. And I'm still glued to them. Yeah. So I so um, and other people don't like phones because they can't see people's body language, and this is one of the reasons why they like Skype so much. Um, so that that has made a big change for people. We're quite good at at processing what people say and the words they use and how they say it and their voices and so on. Whereas other people are not so good at that. But in terms of phone anxiety, like um, an awful lot of people text because they don't want to have to talk to people. So texting has really changed the messaging. So if you're wondering, why does that person never ring me? Why do they always text me? It's because they don't like talking on the phone.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, with journalism and working in radio for so many years and becoming very acutely aware of when someone, and being and again, it's the INFJ and you, and just knowing when someone's lying to you, and it's great to be able to pick up those nuances on the phone from people because it's the same on the air because, you know, you're talking to people, uh, 100,000 people probably in your career, and you start to pick up on when someone is telling you something that's really meaningful and they're telling you the truth and it's genuine or someone's just absolutely talking out there, you know what.
1: So, in terms of getting over phone anxiety, like, I actually plan out my conversations and write out very structured notes before I get on the phone now and I've, I've found that that really helps me a lot so if people do find particular conversations difficult and even if you've got to ring up a company and ask certain questions you know don't be afraid to actually plan out your conversation and write out what you want to do that's a really good tip mm.
0: so profoundly auditory people like the person you're sitting opposite right now are we just naturally I don't know what's the story because you're you're the expert what's the crack As they say in Ireland.
1: What was the question?
0: Uh, Profoundly auditory people, do we find it easier to speak on the phone?
1: Um, We certainly find it easier to talk in class all the time. I never
0: shut up. Yeah. (laughs) There
1: are always chatterboxes in school.
0: Yeah, chatterboxes in school means we do terribly in exams.
1: Okay. So, another topic that you've been asking me to talk about for a long time, and I'm just going to touch on it briefly, is highly sensitive people.
0: I've been dodging it, really, because, you know... um, Finding out you're INFJ when you're 22 and not really talking about it until you're nearly 40. And also discovering um, as a very young child that you're HSP, which is a highly sensitive person. I've kind of been dodging that one for a long time. I guess now I'm 40 and I'm starting to talk about it. And um, I'm terrified of talking about it.
1: Okay, well, one of the reasons I want to talk about it is because I I don't pander to it. Okay. And that's going to sound quite negative to people out there. Right. So when I come across highly sensitive people um, and I come across children that I feel that are being bombarded, I will actually bombard them a little bit more in a very structured way, in a very controlled way that gives them coping strategies, because I feel that I have more coping strategies at being highly sensitive than you do. And I think I agree. Yeah. And I think that people do a huge disservice to children by not creating a balanced sense of them and not putting the steps in place by not learning how to how they release energy and how they um, deal with very bombarding situations how they cope um, and what the kind of game plan is for them and how they learn to work in certain environments regardless of what's going on. So like, for instance, I can work in a cafe, whereas you have to put on most cancelling headphones.
0: No, I can't cope well at all. And I, I, I use it as a crutch. I really do. It's a vice, it's a crutch, it's a habit, it's a bad habit. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's, 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 it's not good, but it, it's how I can cope.
1: Yeah. Um, Whereas with me, like I, I have even more difficulties with filtering information and actually in reading and writing and actually coping in those environments. But I have trained myself to be able to do it. So I a lot of HSP experts out there won't like me very much because I think that particularly and I'm talking about starting very young, like I you can start from about two um the the ages between 2 and 7 i think are critical for this for actually helping people to have really good coping strategies for life
0: i'm embarrassed even talking about it now because there are so many aspects of my life that it has affected and still affects even to this day even right now
1: um yeah but 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 you're not you're not alone in that like there there's an awful lot of, there's an awful lot of people like that out there and and it's just made... and it's,
0: it's everything from the lighting in a room to the scent of food, or or product, or anything, to how something feels, to the clothes that I choose to wear. I mean, ever since I was born, I cannot wear some fabrics because they're just too grating, and it it
1: people don't understand, and just yeah, and I'm embarrassed even talking about it. Well, well, you shouldn't be. It's just for me, it's quite, it's a lot more cut and dry. I have my likes and dislikes. I have certain environments I have to have to work in, and um, I've learned how to work in the other ones. The only thing I really can't cope with is lighting. I I actually still get desperate headaches and really sore eyes and get styes in my eyes from lighting. I I still, I have to be able to get that right. So for our HSP, highly sensitive people
0: listening out there to Purple Psychology podcast, what would you say to them? Because um, I really need to grow up here because I shouldn't be embarrassed anymore and I don't want to feel embarrassed anymore about it. So what's your expert advice?
1: Just put things in categories of likes and dislikes. You know, st- stop, stop, stop worrying about it. You have clothes you like, you have fabrics you like, and you have things you don't dislike. You, you know, so what? Um, and if you have children, start to find their coping strategies and teaching them their coping strategies and putting rituals into effect from very young ages to get them to deal with things better and that's not necessarily handing them a set of noise cancelling headphones
0: and not necessarily meaning they're going to turn out OCD
1: yes um um I think people only I I think that people are, will only turn into OCD if if they don't feel balanced. My experience of of students who develop OCD is because something is seriously out of control for them, something else, so they're having to control their life and their way and their structure and their environment and the people in it and because they don't have control of something else. Okay. So so no, if if you give someone good coping strategies, they're not going to develop OCD. That's
0: good to know. Anything else on that? All right, I'm going to take a deep breath and finish this episode 40 of Purple Psychology. Thank you for tuning in all around the world. Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, thanks so much for, um, I don't know, it feels like a little bit of weight kind of off my shoulders, kind of weird. But anyway, thank you. You're welcome. This podcast is brought to you by 365 Success app. Search 365 Success, all one word in the app store. Thanks so much again. Bye-bye. The 365 Success app offers a simple daily tip for a more balanced life. 365 Success is a one-year plan over six levels where a new tip is displayed each day. The people behind 365 Success are academic and creative life hackers Dr. Nisha O'Reilly, Dr. Graham Hughes and Marie O'Reardon. Discover 365 Success, available now in the App Store.